This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. Hi, this is Bill Bannum. In this episode of the HR in Review pod, we will talk about one of the most important lessons that the COVID pandemic has taught businesses and HR leaders, and that's the importance of authentic collaboration in the workplace. COVID has completely transformed the ways that we work. The role of the HR leader was, of course, central to the organizational response to the seismic shifts hitting businesses since the start of the 2020s. Many businesses had to transition to remote work almost overnight, which created new challenges for managers and employees alike. One of the biggest challenges facing the HR department was maintaining team collaboration and communication in a virtual environment. But as businesses adapted to the new reality, a surprising thing happened. Many companies discovered that their teams were more connected and collaborative than ever before. Why? Because we were all living through the same pandemic. It meant it was actually okay to be authentic and even vulnerable with one another. The lessons from COVID remain relevant. Authentic collaboration is crucial to the success of any business, whether it's in-person, hybrid or virtual, HR leaders must continue to create a culture that fosters collaboration and encourages employees to be their authentic selves. The opportunity, says today's guest, becomes about helping to reimagine our businesses, preparing and building better resilience against additional future external pressures. And in this episode, we're gonna consider six elements essential to collaboration in the post-COVID workplace and the tools and strategies to future-proof businesses so that they can best manage future challenges. My guest in this episode is Barry Flack, workforce strategist and a top 30 global influencer in HR and HR tech. Barry is an award-winning HR professional who spent many years running large recruitment and HR functions in a variety of global industries before embarking on a very portfolio career. HR in Review is a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. You can subscribe at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast or find us on your podcast app. Hey, Barry, welcome to the HR in Review podcast. Thank you, Bill. Um, So look, I thank you for inviting me back on again my pleasure i've got a lot of respect for you barry i think you say a lot of clever things how about you reintroduce yourself to folks take a minute or so and tell them about yourself yep i'm a guy who has been around in the people space for quite longer than i can commit to admitting um that's involved me i think like a lot of folk back in the 90s when i certainly joined organizations that were undergoing large, complex problems. Um, I learned my dark arts uh, in big, recently privatized organizations, uh, both in telco, uh, in banking, uh, that allowed me to learn the dark art, and I'm thankful for that, but it also allowed me to consume myself in enormous levels of dysfunction. Um, Being the type of guy I am, I wasn't particularly happy 
with existing and coalescing in the world of um, of dysfunction. So I moved in at a pretty young age to interim. I became the guy who would deal with the CEOs that nobody else would deal with, um, which were typically uh, organizations in a pretty distressed state, wanting, frankly, to adopt different ways of working. Um, and I did some wonderful areas of that during the the noughties. Um, I seen myself through the global recession. I was in banking, handing out um, baskets of uh, commiserating exit plans for bankers um, around the crash. Uh, and I also worked in what was the burgeoning new tech scene where we managed to convince ourselves that these new organizations that we were building were nothing other than sort of almost replicas of the old ones, but with blue chinos um, and, um, and and other accessories that we exported across from the United States. The last few years, look, I haven't been happy again. The desire to go out and work at root cause in a consultancy, assignment-based approach uh, with organizations. I've done lots of work at the end where I'm pretty passionate about trying to spread good practice. I've done large and complex. Um, I've continued my massive passion with the HR technology space, uh, moving that dial from when it was laughed about many years ago to one now, where quite clearly it's a huge part of our armory and how we change things. So survived COVID, continuing to do wonderful stuff, uh, and I'm blessed about doing that and, and massively pleased to talk to people about some of the lessons I'm picking up from that. This edition of HR in Review is a special guest episode brought to you in partnership with our friends at the North American-based HR Chat podcast, a podcast focused on interviews with HR, talent and tech experts. Wonderful. Thank you, Barry. Uh, you you gave us a, a good walkthrough there of your career and you, you mentioned uh, HR used to be uh, a, a function that folk laughed at. And um, ahead of this interview today, I, I watched your Disrupt HR London talk from, I don't know, 1866 or something, whenever it was. It was quite a while ago, wasn't it? Um, and in it, you, you talk about the, the change terminology for digitalizing HR from, from the 1990s through to today. And I thought it was very entertaining, very well delivered, sir. Um, can you maybe talk our listeners through what you're talking about there in terms of the evolution of of HR to EHR to HR tech, and and this was all in the context of HR finally getting getting a seat at the at the top table. Yeah, look, uh, thank you. Um, it was a long time ago. Um, it it was focused uh, on what I like to term relevance, uh, rather than this issue of influence that was incredibly predominant around about that time. Um, it really did, as I like to do, pour scorn at the worst excesses of some of our HR practices, uh, which is really to try and pour some technology-led garnish on top of the old relics, rituals, and habits that we had around organizations, um, and that didn't work anyway, regardless of building some tech around that. So, you know, performance appraisals, you know, uh, some of the handbook stuff that we put out, some of the propositions that we were going after, you know, all of these things had a tech funnel that was going through them. We could have mentioned EHR when we were putting soulless policy documents on an intranet site. 
Um, you know, we could have talked about performance appraisals despite making it, you know, digitally enabled. It was still an exercise that we dreaded doing. So all of that stuff for me suggested that we were allowing technology to lead us into pouring this level of garnish. The real elephant in the room uh, was very much a clear and obvious sense that our old ways of working were dead in the water. Some of us were coming very late to that party, including the tech companies. And actually what we were trying to do here, which we've got closer to, but we're still in danger of going overboard on tech and euphoria, is, is sort of realizing that people, frankly, are good. People want to come to work and do a good job, want to be respected, want to be paid well, and you'll get an enormous value out of them. Um, so don't overcomplicate those things. If you enjoy the HR and Review podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. This helps others find us and grow our community of HR and related professionals. When we last spoke, you said to me that you live and breathe the world of collaboration. That's quite some statement, Barry. Um, in, in a work context, what, what does it mean to be truly collaborative? Look, I think it's, you know, once again, do not, as an audience, get yourselves caught up in the means of collaboration. You know, there is an enormous array of product, feature set, developing stories that are emerging around what collaboration means. But look, for me, it's always been a couple of things. It's been a recognition that our greatest moments for the vast majority, not all of us, is about when we have those wonderful moments that ignite between us um, and when that allows us to do good stuff. It's a recognition that despite the fact that we've lived around the cult of heroes as leaders or the cult of the times 10 individual that exists out there, that actually nothing happens inside our organizations unless it's underpinned by groups of people bringing something to the party. It's the collaboration element of it. Uh, and look, thirdly, it, it's it's a real clear and obvious sense um, that putting ourselves in the shoes of those around us with that sort of, you know, theory X, theory Y that we've lived with now for almost a century, you know, where people are good, people want to contribute, people do. If the right systems in the organization exist, and we've seen examples of that, not enough of them, um, is where people come together and deliver some amazing stuff. Um, so I, I'm, I'm bought into it. I'm like a cult-like man who recognizes that up against this natural order where we are overly individually focused, collaboration, frankly, is the, is the glue. It's the underpinning of the success of the organization. Then we can deal with complexity. That's a different thing. But the collaboration piece, frankly, is the bit that we should be religiously focusing on um, at every part of our organization. What are some of those challenges when it comes to maintaining collaboration, maintaining a company culture when, uh, when we now live in a changed world, Barry? Uh, it, it, work patterns are not what they were a couple of years ago. Um, and in many cases, companies are hybrid or their employees are indeed fully remote. And that, that's, that's got a lot of challenges, right, to, to collaboration and, and to maintaining a company culture. Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, look, um, 
there's one thing that frankly irritates the life out of me and you're probably picking up that there's quite a few but one that's emerged um out of covid of course is the polarizing debate that's taken place about space so we've got a very clear and obvious on one side the remote firm selling remote products to remote people promoting remote and on the other side we've got those you know bricks and mortar you know kings of the city convincing us all that frankly remote's evil and everybody needs to be back inside the bricks and mortar because we've all fallen foul and lonely um you know look embrace the complexity that neither of those are totally right um a lot of work i'm doing with organizations uh, over the last year or so has clearly got a funnel in that knowledge space predominantly you know where space the work that we're doing how we're doing it is is paramount um i think we should feel comfortable not knowing what the right answer is i think we're in that period where we're you know born out of a, a particular type of working that we don't know our destination and that's okay but you know the sort of barriers coming back to us on this is clearly you know ideology that i've just mentioned you know very fixed mindsets among certain organizations the role of the manager the one that you know i mentioned earlier the the organizational hero that allows us in a very infantile way you know to do things that they allow us to do which i've always thought is absolute nonsense in treating adults in that particular way so how do we retrain them to understand you get the most out of people by getting out of the way giving them the skills the ability and the network you know to go around yes we've got lots of techniques to play with but ultimately if we are building organizations based on the great individualizing um the cult of the leader the systems that dial up the individual nature of work um then we're just going to confuse people we need to be able to create a coherent system follow us on twitter at hr review or join us on linkedin and facebook Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, you and I were talking before we hit record today how um, your big gripe is that lots of companies have returned to the old ways of working, ways that perhaps uh, don't work so well. How how can leaders resist the urge to go back to old processes? Um, you, you, you and I were chatting uh, off off mic that um, it's often it's often to the benefit of middle management that uh, or, or indeed senior management uh, as to why a lot of these companies are going back to, to older ways of doing things which are less uh, uh, less effective. That, what are you seeing, Barry? Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm actually in some ways, um, I and mean, I can say this independently, different if I was running the organization, but we've, we've, we've had this one in the post for years, Bill. So, you know, the idea that, you know, come that sort of mid-80s, early 90s, when the world changed forever, the sheer speed uh, the markets, the who can predict a global pandemic, who can predict a sudden war, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we've just not had the templates that have been in place. Um, employers have frankly ruled the roost. So, you know, they've been, I think, the sort of king of the equation in terms of retention, attraction, and otherwise. Look, I think what we've had in the last couple of years among CEOs who are, you know, good role models is all the old stuff hasn't worked it doesn't work you know the old template of hr economics that sit inside your toolkit inside the organization 
from a you know an employer branding promise that frankly has been led by too many marketeers reward that's now just becoming an extended series of things that you might tap into without any great thinking you know performance management that's still too focused on making those reward things come true you know etc etc i could list and go on on these but they're not stemming people leaving they're not creating loyalty in the way that those ceos have been taught at their various business schools so what's pleasing me you know is that the frustration coming is that you know good ceos are recognizing a different place they're much more susceptible to allowing us to have the sort of conversations that embrace a complete rethink or reimagining of some of the things we've taken for granted for years um the good hr people are the ones who are using that opportunity um but there are others that frankly within their own sort of span of knowledge uh, are pretty limited about what they want to do in relation to you know dealing with today's complex problems and complexity means that we can't predict them uh, not enough of them are in the space that accepts that we cannot predict today's market and we could never predict the complexity of human beings um and that's the issue that we have on it you know is is how do we balance the old menu against sort of today's problem set barry one one thing that you do is you help organizations by auditing the existing hr organizational structure and developing a proposed operating model or maybe creating new ways of working for meeting future needs of the business um i would imagine that that's not always well received by hr leadership what are what are some of the typical challenges and roadblocks to change and how do you get buy-in from the hr department certainly not always accepted that's um that's undoubtedly um a, a truth uh bill i'm a believer uh that there is no such thing as the resistance to change that gets talked about if it was we'd all still be living frankly in caves uh writing on walls and, and being chased by mammoths uh, we do clearly embrace change so, you know, too much of what we do is very much, let's not talk about the transitions it makes for people. You know, let's not go down that route of realizing that at its heart, um, you're changing the relationship. You know, you're beginning to change the, the, the dynamics and the physics of the organization. So a lot of work I've done in the last few years around great old performance management. Uh, every HR person has owned it. We've known that it's a web of deceit around a million and one different items. Um, but we've recognized, I think, the more enlightened HR people that embracing that to allow people to talk about the future, to talk about growth, to decouple it from the toxic elements of it just makes perfect sense. People who are comfortable with understanding that if you disrupt the organizational system positively watch it and then go again and disrupting it positively that's so much more of a, a better approach to change than a waterfall nine months by the end of it you'll get this and i'll walk away that world disappeared forever about 40 years ago um we've got to embrace hr people who know that what they're creating is a bit of agility a bit of resilience that wonderful piece you know, going back to our previous question that only comes about through groups of people, not on your own. 
organizations facing in the markets, etc. You know, that's what we've got to create inside a world that we just do not understand. Um, and the old ways of working against it uh, don't get us the answers that we want on it. So that that's a special breed, you know, when you've been growing up in a world where you're coming to the seat at the table, predictably telling the board that this is what's going to happen, you know, in the next year, the next six months, and you've built a career on that. Those rules of engagement no longer exist and haven't for years. Barry, my friend, we're already coming towards the end of this interview i'm afraid uh, we're just got to do another one pretty soon but um uh, two more questions for you before we do wrap up um hr priorities in 2023 we are living through crazy times barry um very uncertain times uh you're you're, you're based in the uk I, I split my time between the uk and canada certainly in the uk it's it's looking pretty gloomy um and it's looking like three four quarters of, of recession maybe longer maybe much longer um what what are what are the top priorities for hr pros in 2023 and what, what are some of the biggest specifically talent acquisition and retention challenges for them look that's a great question um i think we've clearly you know got ahead of us um a period of like worry and concern you know because that's all we're talking about um so if a recession is coming that will automatically keep certain thought processes which is unfortunate because we need to, you know, do things that are fundamentally changing the way we approach, um, the way that our organizations are set up. Um, I'm hoping that we can leave aside some of the absolute nonsense that seems to dominate the airwaves still. And you know that I rebel against those, the, the quiet quitting and the quiet resignations and the quiet firing. All of that stuff is just an utter distraction. You know, people are tired um, of, frankly, you know, glib responses to some fundamental issues, you know, which are, you know, certainly in the UK, you know, we've come too many years in an economic system that has seen too large a gap between those at the top uh, and those populating, you know, a vast majority of their organization. So get back to basics, you know, get back to understanding that individuals want paid you know, a salary rate for the job. And I would expect good HR people to be prepared for a 2023 conundrum of potentially business problems uh, and a focus on, you know, salary inflation that, you know, they're going to have to lean into. Uh, that should prompt, I think, rethinking all of that categories of reward, compensation, benefits that they've come to in the past, um, checking the value of some of those things, some of the wasted costs, because... Quite simply, complexity of individuals dictate that those big homogenous ways of approaching a benefit don't work for everybody uh, who's got a very individual locus on each of these. So, you know, I think one will lead to the other. I think in talent acquisition, look, I think, you know, we've got ourselves um, a clear and obvious fallout in relation to organizations who are now contracting. Um, but we've got in the post the huge problem of, how do we embrace the skilled deficit between a massive amount of hiring in places where we don't have enough individuals to, to fulfill those? So talent acquisition people need to open up that funnel inside their organizations. They need to be thinking about what potential looks like. Uh, they need to be looking at their whole funnel approach into it away from 
the nonsense we've had in the last 20 years of the A players and the superstars, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we're in a place where skills and demand um, for that work has got a massive deficit. And um, we've got to rethink those things. Wonderful. And just finally for today, Barry, how can our listeners connect with and learn more about you, sir? Well, look, I am hoping to be somewhat more visible. And thank you, Bill, for um, helping me do that through uh, coming on here and talking. Um, look, I am clearly always open, uh, an open source to talk to people via my LinkedIn profile. Uh, you can find me on my website at barryflat.co.uk. Um, and if you watch those particular areas, you will see uh, some talks that I will be giving over the next six to nine months appearing rapidly. Uh, where I think it's an opportunity to get out and do more of what I've done here uh, and talk about experience and talk about supporting good HR folk out out there dealing with some incredibly complex business problems. Excellent. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Barry Flack, you lovely human being. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Bill. The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.